The 21st Century in Which They Finally Work It Out by Kaya Read by Literarian Chapter 2 It had happened again several meetings later. Crowley had become a master at the art of casually leaving his hand on the table, near an immaculate polished fork, or perhaps the stem of a wine glass, or just on the table, sometimes nervously tapping, and other times perfectly still. His hand had gone ignored at Club Garçon, and again at the Araki, where Aziraphale had set down his chopsticks several times for no obvious reason before glancing into a middle distance and picking them right back up. It wasn't until they were walking back from Barafina, having parked the Bentley several blocks off, that Crowley had found his hand held, then squeezed, and then held much more faintly, as if perhaps the squeeze had been too much, and it all had to be dealt back. Crowley had nearly tripped on the pavement as they crossed the street, too shocked to make any attempt to open his hand and wind it around Aziraphale's in some sort of mutual fashion. Aziraphale's palm had not been quite so damp this time, still very soft, and when Crowley had looked to the right and sneaked a glance, the angel was gesturing across Old Compton Street and talking about a little barber shop that had apparently used to be there. Crowley had listened and concentrated on the feeling of Aziraphale's warm hand. When they made it to the car, Crowley was wishing he had parked further on. Several weeks of this, several weeks of occasional, spontaneous physical contact that have left Crowley overwhelmed and desperate to know why it happened then and not other times. Not more often, not constantly. He had once even considered grasping Aziraphale's hand over a shared bottle of Chateau Petrus Pomerol, Crowley does not recall the year, back at the bookshop, but his brain told him that this was lunacy, and he must not ruin such a pleasant evening with what must surely be a one-sided, lustful desire to constantly be touching. Angels do not want that kind of thing. Crowley should know he was an angel once. And as Raphael still is, recent events notwithstanding, Recent events perhaps removing him from work expectations, but doing nothing to change Aziraphale's general makeup, his general inclination toward good wine and good crepes, general goodness all around, and what Crowley wants, has been thinking about for some time now, is not exactly good. Not that demons are inclined toward much lust. Sure, Crowley has seduced the occasional human in order to accomplish larger evils later on. He's lured perhaps a dozen or so into his bed, on their own, and pleased just as many. This wasn't so different from his other work, pretending to be a human craving revolution, or craving money out of a bank, or, one memorable time, craving some very priceless art out of the Louvre. He had to act less for that one. The point is, it was an act to get followers. That's what it was for a demon. Except with this, Crowley's not pretending to be a human. He's just craving nonetheless, although what he wants isn't exactly clear. It hasn't been for centuries. Crowley has just known he wants to be around Aziraphale, to make him happy, to celebrate bookshop openings, and later save said books from Nazis, normal friend things. 
and sometimes a flicker of something else. But surely that had just been the evil in him, the demon trying to pull down something so pleasant and good to his level. And wouldn't seducing an angel be one of his biggest accomplishments yet? Crowley doesn't want to do it for the mission. Crowley doesn't want it as an accomplishment. Crowley just wants... He wants. Tuesday rolls around, as it is known to do. The Donmar Warehouse puts on a very good show, as it is also known to do. Rosalind is disguised as Ganymede for the first time, when Aziraphale places his hand on the small armrest. Fingers curled in a nervous drumming beat for a moment before finally coming to rest. Crowley takes several seconds to look at Azraphale's sidelong. He is focused on the stage, a little too focused, that forced expression of calm that he has come to have in these recent moments. He is waiting. Crowley's heart leaps up in his throat for a moment as he makes himself focus back on the play, on Celia, now Eliana, delivering her lines. Crowley stretches, nearly writhes for a moment having a good long reshuffling of limbs in his little seat before settling back down, his hand just happening to also end up on that armrest. He can feel the tiny light hairs on the back of Azraphel's fingers. He can feel the warm softness that is now deliciously familiar. Crowley presses his lips together tightly, fighting back any kind of bigger reaction that may spook his angel. On the stage, the Arcadian forest of Arden continues on as if nothing is amiss. It is never discussed. Crowley knows better than to rock the boat on that front. There have been many times in their friendship when things only got along as smoothly as they did because Aziraphale was not pressed to actually put it to words. Several times their work arrangement grew complicated and convoluted, and Aziraphale was left holding the bag, sometimes literally. Very few times was anything more interesting than legal tender or perhaps precious jewels in said bag. But it was clear that Aziraphale felt more strain in these times than Crowley ever did when he had to go and do something particularly good, something particularly helpful and pure for Aziraphale. Did Crowley throw a fit before or after these duties? Of course, but it was for show, and they both knew it. Crowley's lack of reluctance to help humans thrive was one of the many things that could never be directly addressed. Crowley does not read books, but he is very fond of his mobile phone, which he both had a hand in and which he utilizes to keep track of general chaos and drama. It has served to be a very helpful tool during his visits to the bookshop. Simply wandering through and pawing at this tome or that often leads to Aziraphale making concerned sounds and muttering about the strength of book spines after several decades or centuries in subpar conditions. With his mobile phone, Crowley can keep himself entertained during shop hours without manhandling the merchandise and sending Aziraphale into any kind of tizzy. Aziraphale is happiest when he is not selling any books. When he just gets to have them, when he just gets to sit among them, doing light inventory and perhaps dusting shelves. 
When these tasks are done, he often joins Crowley on the impressively comfortable couch by one of the better windows. Crowley is fond of this tradition. Crowley will read about whatever nonsense the mayor of London has said lately, or what happened on Big Brother, and Aziraphale can sit beside him, with much better posture, and read ancient Roman poetry, or a Russian novel, or whatever it is this week. Aziraphale is not dusting today. He is updating signage. All of it is in perfectly neat cursive lettering, in lightly glittering ink. The parchment is thick enough it may be able to, ironically, serve as a paperweight. Crowley scrolls through an article. Someone off of Love Island has tweeted that, Oh, it doesn't matter. Crowley taps back and looks for something more juicy. The couch dips as Azaraphale joins him, small book in his hand. And Crowley gives an acknowledging grunt right before he feels the angel's knee brush his. It's... It's still very close. In fact, now that Crowley can peer past his phone and to their legs, it looks like Azaraphale's legs are spread uncommonly wide. The last person to ever manspread, as it were, is taking a comfortable position on his own couch and taking up a solid half of it. Who would have guessed? Crowley observes this for a moment longer, finally determining that Aziraphale had perhaps aimed for a convenient brush or touch, but miscalculated. And maybe even meant for it to be a lasting connection, as with these hand escapades they've been going through recently. This is the next step? It seems possible. Doing what Crowley would say is a very convincing yawn. The demon arcs his back, resettles until he's facing a little further from the window now, and his knee comes to rest against Aziraphale's in front of the center of the couch. Not pushing, probably not pressing, really, just touching. Aziraphale does nothing. Well, he turns a page. He does nothing in relation to the knee. He doesn't look particularly nervous or tense, or if he does, it's much less than it has been in previous instances. Crowley looks back to the text on his mobile, not actually reading, just feeling the light pressure through the fabric of his trousers and deciding that he has no idea what's going on and that he should just accept it and continue to act on his best guesses. Who knows? Aziraphale might not even mean any of this romantically.